Gorag Thung Earthless. My name's Conrad, alongside my buddy Fox. Hello. And this is the second episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This month, we're covering April 1977, and we're still running with the initial thrills we had last week. So let's get started. First off, thrill zero, non-comic stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, God. Th- so this this set of, of progs, which is progs uh, six through ten, is when the uh, all the all the all the kids in England started getting 2000 AD and then submitting things. Oh yeah. To um, to Tharg to kind of be looked at and stuff. That's right. Like there's some letters and there's a lot of like sort of kids making predictions for the future and stuff. Well, and like drawings that they did, like of tanks and, then, uh, and stuff. Yeah, a ton of drawings. There's like uh, some alien drawings. They're like oh, oh, yeah. convicts of the cosmic clink. <laughs> I I really liked that a lot, especially that giant like dark mass like nightmare creature. Yeah. I think it was amazing. There's a bunch. There, yeah, there's a bunch of just like of these random drawings of like aliens that have all been sort of put in a lineup as Tharg sort of like pushes them around and stuff like that. <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah, and then bizarre. there's a yeah. And then, like you said, there's a bunch of, like, cars and stuff. My favorite's the one that's, like, a van with two legs <laughs> yeah. that kind of walk around. <laughs> that thing was great. It's just a massive chicken walker. But it's a bunch of other, like, tanks and, like, VW bugs with fans on top of them and things like well, that. Well, like, the 10-pound note winner was, like, this battle scene that was, like, this giant, like... I don't know, battleship with a bunch of people running towards it with guns and like big explosions going off. It's like, yeah. Some kid drew that? <laughs> like, what? I don't know about the veracity of some of these drawings, yeah. honestly. Because I, f- I feel like sometimes they're like, maybe they're sort of an initial drawing and then some artist like oh, cleans yeah. it up or something like that. Or it's just a description and then, and then an artist just does it from scratch or they're like copying stuff. I don't know. My money's probably on the, they probably just draw like the scene that the kid tried to shittily do. Yeah. You know? Cause they, because as, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. It's just like, I, that seems reasonable. I yeah. guess. Because as time goes by, they'll sort of keep having these, you know, people doing pictures in the comic and stuff. And the quality of the artist of the kids of England goes way down as the years go by. <laughs> If if this is any indication. Oh wow! All right, <laughs> well then. I yeah, but this is all. This is also when we start getting uh like the ner- Tharg's nerve center, which is like the letters page oh, basically. Yeah. There's one letter I think is really good, which is um from what is this? <laughs> it's from Ian Olson from Liverpool, and he says that uh most science uh most science films are a bunch of rubbish. Yeah. And th- the new Doctor Who is no good. <laughs> Um, and Tharg says, uh, you know, what you say is, is Zarjaz, which means good in Beetlejuicean. But he also tells the kid to watch out for a new, a new film called Star Wars and that he thinks he'll like it. Wow. Which is very funny to me. That's awesome. <laughs> Just as like, you know, to me, there's no world without Star Wars. And it's kind of interesting looking at people who are into science fiction without, Star Wars existing, you know what yeah, I mean? It's like, oh, this is pretty good. This was like a really, really good film. Yeah, as but to sort of be, just to have it be as a movie yeah. sort of coming out and being whatever, as opposed to some sort of like cultural touchstone. Yeah, or exactly. Like that, it's like, yeah, I mean? check it out. You might like. It. Yeah, it's like very casual for yeah. for a mind or a uh, world dominating movie. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's one last non-comic thing I want to talk about, which is um, the flesh card game. <laughs> like, in, in, episode, uh, or in Prague's, uh, I think, 8 through 10, mm-hmm. they start putting, like, on the back page a bunch of these full-color things you're supposed to cut out that are, like, part of this crazy card game for the flesh, tied into the flesh comics. There's all these dinosaurs and characters from the comic and stuff. Yeah. And... They don't have the rules yet. The rules are going to be in Prague 11, which we, don't, which we haven't gotten to yet. But my promise to you, the listener, is that by the start of Episode 3, Fox and I will have attempted to play the uh, flesh card It game. is going to be amazing. Uh, there is already scenes of, like, dinosaurs, like, at the base getting sliced with lasers. 
the yeah. main character with a cigarette, like just looking like John Wayne. Fucking <laughs> like, yeah, everything on here is amazing, and it's going to be about dinosaurs. They, they all have numbers and stuff, so I think it's going to be like war or something like that. But we'll we'll find out, you know. I really mm-hmm. hope it's just completely strange. <laughs> Absolutely, that's definitely definitely the plan. I think it's got to be the weirder it is, the better. I think. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's jump into the thrills. All oh, the thrills. Thrill one. Invasion. You know, I uh, I really loved that they headlined the entire series we just read. Like, sometimes it'll happen, like, second or third place in the last month that we read. This time it uh-huh. started every single issue. Yeah, actually, it was really, the order of the thrills was really consistent. Yeah. This whole month, like, you could just really just bing, bing. Like, if you're reading them now, you could really just go bing, bing, bing. And just read Invasion for Prague 6, Invasion for Prague 7, Invasion, you know, read all of them across one and then go to the next yeah. one and stuff like that. Which arguably this may have the only continuity in it. And I say that kind of lightly only because he just talks about his kid and makes special reference this time, helps him figure out a problem. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, kid. I mean, I think all of the, all of them, all the, all the stories have continuity oh, yeah, to yeah. one extent I mean, or another. Like, Flesh are actually getting a story. That- yeah. Like, I think Flesh and Harlem Heroes are the most, like, connected in terms of having a story, whereas the other the other guys are sort of more more story of the week things. Yeah, definitely. Although, yeah. this is still kind of almost my... Invasion is good, man. Yeah, we check back into the year 1999, the distant future, where, <laughs> where, where Bill Savage and his band of mad dogs fight against the invading Volgon Empire. You filthy vlogs! Or sorry, Volgs. Volgs. Yeah, I, so yeah. let's see. What Really, we should just recant. Hey, uh, what did the mad dogs uh, blow up this week? So first issue, there wasn't anything. Second issue was like a train full of them smashed into... Uh, yeah, man, they, they, they did like a heist to, um, with like costumes and yeah. stuff to take out a, a Volgon general so that he'd be smashed by a train <laughs> full of his own men. And then take out a rocket launcher, shoot it at a helicopter that then hits the other helicopter. <laughs> That was good luck. That 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 one helicopter that was atta- that was attacking him and reprisal smashed into the other one. Dude, the, you know? He's just like this blue collar worker who just everything he does works. <laughs> like Bill Savage doesn't know how to fail. You know he doesn't know how to fail. He doesn't know how to get hurt. You know he just uh, just gets out there and he just destroys everything. But damn, does he love driving a lorry or a bus, as they're known in America? Yeah, that's the that's the third. Well, I th- I think a lorry is actually a truck. Is it a and truck? Then, yeah, and then a bus is like an omnibus or something okay. like that. Well, that's he was I... really happy being behind. That was he was like, this is hit. Yeah, that's in the third episode <laughs> in in a Prague Prague Eight where they load a bunch of where all the mad dogs load their all their friends and families <laughs> like onto all the civilians. Yeah, onto a bunch of double decker buses. <laughs> And then they drive them all up to, like, Heathrow Airport and put them on the Concorde 3, right? Yeah. Which is, which, by the way, this is, so they're bringing this entire, like, caravan of it, civilians to an they airport. They say it's, like, 5,000 people. Yeah, it, to a, <laughs> an airport that is heavily guarded by Volgans. Yep. Like, let's just drive them into the heart of it. Now, there was a good reason, and it was because of his... Well, they're trying to get everybody out of the, so that they... You know, there, there's been reprisals and stuff. So they want to get people out of the country, so they put them on this hypersonic jet mm-hmm. to get them to to Canada and safety and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, but then, so as the plane takes off and a bunch of Volgon fighter jets come <laughs> to take them down, <laughs> oh, the, Volgons, the Volgons fire their heat-seeking missiles, but it turns out that the Concord 3 uses cold fusion, buddy. <laughs> this makes sense. So it doesn't produce any heat. So the heat-seeking missiles turn around and hit the very planes that fired them. But how did he know that, how Conrad? He know? Because my son, Kelvin, he was nuts on planes. Had models everywhere. Always going on about him, he was. <laughs> he stopped now, though. Killed by a Vogon tank shell. Oh, God. Oh, it's sad. It's just everything. Like, you are reminded fairly constantly 
that his wife and son are very dead. And he's going to just destroy everything. He's gonna he's gonna take the Volgun Empire down with his bare hands. Well no, sorry. Not with his bare hands, with his bare shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still awesome. He's just still shotgunning people. He kicks yeah. people in the face and then shoots them. It's great. Uh I mean there's not really much I mean, let's see. So in sorry, we're counting what he's exploded because he also exploded a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the uh what's the name of this boat? It's like yeah, the flag, the Volgon flagship Volga, oh, yeah. which fired on the British troop on the British Navy as they um, surrendered during Invasion Day. And <laughs> so it's like a reprisal. Exactly. So <laughs> first, these guys at the start of this are are getting kind of so this thing is going to be floating down the River Thames, which is a great place for an ambush. So I guess that's where you send your bestest boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and these guys are like, hey, check this out. We've got it handled. Also, his number two guy, Silk, is like, you can't come because you don't yeah. know how to snorkel. Yeah, get out of here, Savage. We're going to go snorkel up and put some limpet mines on here. Oh, that's right, limpet. <laughs> and then Savage is like, oh, I've got another plan. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, in case it fails, we'll totally have this other way to beat them, which is just signaling to you, by the way. Yeah, they totally fail because of sound cannon. Yeah, they're hit by some sort of sonic weapon or whatever. So then it's up to Savage to just kind of shotgun everybody. <laughs> Not even kidding. And then and then pour gas down the po- po- the portal, the you oh, know, the port. like yeah, 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 a porthole in the ship or whatever, and then set it on fire, and then it burns from the inside out. It's just he he really wants to kill these people, and he does it in more and more elaborate ways. But I really like how they're always themed around what's going on. For instance, swinging on an anchor onto a ship to shoot a bunch of guys. Yeah, just he shotguns everybody. It's excellent. <laughs> Every scene with him and that shotgun yeah. is great. <laughs> and then the third, and then the our final story, which is the first the first multi part invasion story. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Silk and and Savage infiltrate quote unquote a uh, a, a prison camp on the moors of England, and One they guy. and and they take and, and, and they grab this aerospace engineer guy and they're making their way out, but oh gosh, like their ride out has been killed and the car destroyed, and then there's a bunch of Volgon dogs attacking them. That's the cliffhanger. It's wild dogs versus mad dogs. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That was my favorite thing to see on the page. It's like, all right, so he's going to shoot uh, some dogs. <laughs> the other crazy dogs, and for, you'll be happy to know at the at um at the end of this story, there is another um secret message That's to funny. be decoded using your red alert wallet. <laughs> so what does it say? Because I have no so, idea. I'm going to paraphrase and, t- and say that uh, these dogs are mutants, specially bred to kill, and if you see them, you should notify your field commander. Oh, all right then. <laughs> yeah, so FYI, mutant dogs. I mean, Next really, <laughs> what I love about talking about Invasion is that that's it. We got through all of this month, and in every yeah. single thing, he was doing something awesome. I mean, the nature of all of these comics, I think, is you have, like four to six pages to work with, you know? Yeah. There's not there's not a ton of space for, like, nuance. <laughs> no. <laughs> for so better or for worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, it's very, like, let's just have Savage kill all these dudes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, a page of setup, two, two pages of blasting, one page of wrap-up. There you go. They're brutally efficient at making them brutally efficient. <laughs> uh, all right. Show yeah, speaking of which, let's move on. <laughs> Thrill to flesh. <laughs> nice segue. Do my best. <laughs> so we left our uh, we left flesh last time. Uh, Earl Reagan and his uh, team of time traveling Dino Cowboys had gone into town to relax, but then the town came under Dino attack, and we sort of opened with the town being overrun by uh, Dionycuses, which they called Terrible Claws. And they have these, and they attack with their feet. They do, uh, yeah. They do uh, real good kung fu. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Well, I mean, you know, the Dionychus is the Velociraptor before the Velociraptor. You know, right. with the big tail claw and stuff. God, they really got that one confused, didn't they? I mean, I think it's just like these guys weren't the same time as T Rex or something. So my uh, oh, there you go. Kung fu, I guess. 
I don't know the actual answer. But they're also menaced by Old One-Eye, the 120-year-old hag tyrannosaur. Oh, she is a beauty, really? though. That she is. Always call her she, is uh, she gets the best character this month. Amazing. I mean, she's constantly rampaging around. Everybody like challenges her authority, and she swiftly destroys. Them. <laughs> yeah, by yeah. eating or beating, and yeah, like even a heart attack. She's like, she just bites herself, and is like, I don't get heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So besides Earl Reagan, there's a few other like townsfolks and cowboys, but the big other human player we have is a Claw Carver, a total jerk who lost his hand in a dino attack and hates Reagan with a fiery passion. Dude, I mean he he does uh, he does some pretty shitty things. Not gonna lie, still really like the character as a good foil. It's really his first move in any sort of crisis situation is to grab a red shirt and throw and throw it throw him into the mouth it's, of a of, of a dinosaur. It's pretty great. It comes in handy actually. It saves it's a, lot a lot. I mean, not saying you should throw a dude to a, a giant dinosaur, but you know, I mean, I it's like yeah, it's like everyone's grandpa says, where you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun you know you basically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so I mean, like, let's let's see. They they did a fair amount of traveling. Yeah, they go down a river on rafts, and there's a big uh, dino croc that one eye has to yep. fight. Really, that whole setup was just for that fight. They were just like, oh, oh we yeah. got to get on these rafts to get away, and she's like, fuck, I'm I'm a dinosaur. I'm just gonna walk in there, and then giant alligator. Yeah, but then we get to my favorite part where there's this uh, train. Oh. That's full of uh, tourists. It's so on a, on a, They're on a trans time holiday. <laughs> this was after the guy got crushed by a giant snake, right? Yes. Okay. Sorry. No, There's no, no, no. I'm just making sure I'm on the right thing because some of these pictures are just, <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's really the key to these flesh comics is just that I forget who the artist is for these ones because don't have, we don't have credits yet on these on these stories, but... They just love drawing dinosaurs, and it really shows and, <laughs> the crazy dinosaur a- action. You know? Well, they're also really good at showing a dad slap his kid for being a mouthy prick. <laughs> yeah, man. This kid's the worst. Well, you got the kid uh, at the start of it, too. It's like... Yeah. Like, this story... Like, so, Prague 9, this one is... It opens with, hey, there's this train that people, that tourists take through time to see dinosaurs and stuff. And there's some kid that's like, you know, I want to go to the fun city on the moon. Yeah, because he can and, shoot things. And his dad just freaking slaps him right in the face. <laughs> like, I've been working like crazy, you little prick. Like, yeah. we're going to enjoy this. And then the mother just kind of dotes. To the point that, like, a, uh, someone who works on the train grabs the kid to try to save his life. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Like, so, so we're leaving now. Yeah. So as the as the train stops for people to take in the sights, uh, Reagan and the rest of the fugitives on the run from old one eye like <laughs> bump into them like we gotta go like no we gotta do the tourist thing like no we gotta go so the train gets attacked by old one eye and the kid gets e- the kid gets eaten by the oh yeah like right away old one eye they put a they they put a censored box over it which is pretty funny oh man <laughs> like. Uh... Like, really, this, this dinosaur just reaches right in and eats a kid. Yeah. Hey, that's what you get, you know. Old One-Eye is a badass. You know, speaking for moms everywhere, if you're going to bellyache on vacation, you shouldn't be surprised at what you get, you know? <laughs> that's right. I said it. <laughs> you're terrible. So Flesh, Flesh ends this week with the tourist train limping into the trans-time base. Oh. And Reagan promising a final reckoning between man and dinosaur. So awesome. So, a uh, quick quick detour on this train wreck real yeah, quick. Yeah, please. Uh, so, how many things tried to kill One-Eye this week? Because she survived all of them. And as oh my favorite gosh. character, like... So, I remember one very vividly was... First off, she basically went and attacked her son. Well, her son challenged him. Challenged her. So she had to, uh, like, like her son, like, attacked her on her blind side. She lashed out, did not realizing that it was her own son. But she didn't care because she's had tons, basically, yeah. is what it said. Yeah, that's point two, is that it was her son, but old one I doesn't care. Old one I the ki- old one I the boss, and that's just how it goes. Yeah, 
And uh, so, and this is after, of course, she's just trying to chase and kill one particular human being, which hasn't mm-hmm. been panning out for her. However, everyone starts running into the forest. They get basically abandoned by Mr. Brain. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anything happened in that issue, no. Well, there, there's Prog 7, where old one I just sort of randomly eats a brontosaurus. Just sort of <laughs> oh, yeah, fun. that's right. <laughs> then Prog 8, where she fights the, uh, croc- the uh, dino croc. Oh, yeah. So, dude gets crushed by a giant snake, which was hilarious. It was just yeah. really great. But yeah, giant dino croc fight. Then she and then Prog Nine, she starts fighting the train and stuff. And that's when she eats the kid. Well, she also fell into a pit of spikes. Oh yeah! And had to pull herself back up when she heard the horn on the train, which some dumbass turned into a tyrannosaurus roar. Yeah, so the train was challenging her, and it forced her to pull herself out of this pit full of spikes that Reagan and his men had set up, sort of uh, uh, Rambo style. Dude, it's just she keeps getting torn up, and nothing matters. It's pretty much she's the best. She's just a kill in a kill crazy rampage now, man. I was not a big fan of her last month, but this is just like I can see now. Someone is just like I want to see a dinosaur do this. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, they were just setting her up. For this, for, for this to come, so she wasn't that characterized yet, you know. Yeah, dude. But like I said, definitely the uh, strongest female character of the uh, <laughs> of at least the first two months oh of 2000 AD, for it's sure. Nothing so far, less than zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. So that's that's basically Flesh. Flesh was great. Yeah. Flesh was so good. Flesh remains excellent. Uh, let's move on to Thrill 3, Harlem Heroes. Again, they're starting to learn how to structure these <laughs> to make me happiest. <laughs> yeah, well, this one had, yeah, because there were basically, over the, the three progs of this one, we saw two arrow ball matches, which is pretty cool. Oh, man, yeah. First, they took, first the heroes took the uh, Transatlantic Tunnel, uh, which began construction in 2010, you'll be happy to know, to... <laughs> to fight uh, the Siberian Wolves, this Russian team. Oh, and we also get the first hint of world-building once we get to dread about this, because they reference them. Mm-hmm. And in Harlem Heroes, I guess they do say Mega City 1. Yeah, they, yeah. Harlem Heroes is Mega City 1. I mean, like I, th- I, th- I think I said this week, uh, the two are explicitly linked. Like, I think, like, yep. um, Giant Sun will be a, 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 a judge at one I'm point. really excited about that. Yeah. But so we, me- so we play this game against the... Uh, Against the Siberian Wolves in their arrow ball, ball stadium that's even bigger than the Kremlin. Oh, that's still right. has they all those like onion domes and stuff. Oh yeah, like, it's nineteen seventy-seven, man. <laughs> like you, was, you just got to assume Russia's going to be there forever. <laughs> but so the thing about the Siberian Wolves is that they have like thirty people on the team or something like that. So it means that they play like suicidally because if one of them dies or gets knocked out or something like that, then another person can just come in and take their place on the team, you know? It's pretty nuts. And they this is all about those people dying horrible, gruesome deaths. Like, <laughs> these next are two. It's definitely a lot of like, people, like, yeah, like, smashing head first into walls and things like that. It's pretty excellent. And then, but the, the other big thing besides the, the actual game is that midway through, uh, Giant's uh, jetpack breaks. That's right, and it gets launched towards the ceiling. Yeah, it's sabotaged, and he's got to bail out and, like, free fall his way down to safety and stuff, which is pretty cool. And this is sort of the second mentioning of sabotage, right? Like, they, they yeah. still have this common theme of reminding the people reading that the bus was definitely sabotaged. At least that's what yeah. they think. Uh, there hasn't been, like, any evidence or anything like that. They're just like, we think this, but, you know, just watch Yeah, it. but their their teammate, who uh, who's the who's just a brain, seems to be pretty sure about it. Yeah. And I, I believe him. I don't know. Yeah, he seems like a pretty nice dude. I don't think he'd just do that. And certainly it's starting to get yeah. consistent with other really intense turns that this comic takes later. <laughs> yeah, because after after the heroes win against the uh, the Wolves 3-1... to one, we uh, learn about a new threat coming the hero's way. Gruber! Really, really gross cyborg. <laughs> yeah, he's a... Uh, Gruber's this cyborg assassin who wants to destroy the Harlem heroes. For unknown reasons. Uh, oh, no, no, wait, because he biffed it. He, like, ate crap, and he blamed Yeah, he was, it. like... Yeah, he, like, lost... Yeah, he, like, was killed or injured or something, like an arrow ball match in his sworn revenge. But as cyborgs go, he's pretty he's pretty gnarly looking. Like oh, he's, yeah. his his face is like a skull, basically, <laughs> and like uh, 
his head is like cylindrical. Like he doesn't have like a round top of his head. He's got like a square top yeah, of his yeah. head. Like to protect more of his brain, I guess. I, you know, it's for aesthetic reasons. I think for the most part, <laughs> he just really <laughs> likes pill-shaped heads. I mean, it this yeah. did cost him eight million dollars from mysterious benefactor. Yeah, that's two million dollars more than uh, cyborgs from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Uh, amazing. But so Gruber follows the heroes to Mexico, where they go to play the Montezuma Mashers Which is like team. a decadence cult. Yeah, it's cool, man. Everybody's got all this, um, they show the stank, like, the whole, like, the Arabo Stadium is this huge, like, stepped pyramid and stuff. And all the people wear crazy, um, like, jaguar masks and sort of Aztec-themed wear yeah, and things like that. Definitely more on the gaudy side. Like, it's meant to be this high-society, like, decadence party where you just watch Aeroball, which, you know, from my count so far, is a fairly fucking dangerous thing to watch. Yeah, but, you know, you it's cool to watch things that are dangerous, man. That's, like, the point of being a rich guy. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, just, you know, being being near where a jetpack or a man with a gun might be is kind of intense. <laughs> Right, so that's the big thing is that Gruber's also in the stands with like a blaster rifle, basically taking pot shots at the heroes. It's pretty funny because the first time he like shoots one of the one of the Montezuma's mashers gets hit and nobody even notices it. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, he's falling, and no one like, and the laser beam came from over there. It was just like, oh crap, that guy got shot. Yeah, no one even really notices. The, no one makes a big deal about the laser beam, really. Like, they just keep playing and stuff. I mean, I guess it's just a hardcore sport. Totally, I guess, yeah. After the, it's after the second shot that, like, Giant flies down at the stands and does a double foot drop oh, right in right. Gruber's face. But he still gets up. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Well, they, the heroes can't risk trying to attack him in the stands because the jet wash from their jetpacks oh, right. could, like, burn people and stuff. So the story ends with... I believe the heroes up 1-0 against the Montezuma Mashers and Gruber escaping into the stands. Uh, and also the Montezuma guy being dead. They are down one person. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's no coming back from, like, falling from a burning jetpack face first into a stand. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super interested in the fate of secondary <laughs> error ballers, frankly. <laughs> Especially with how many Russians died previous. I mean, a lot of Russians. At least, like, five Russians died. It was a lot. Like, it was an (laughs) obsessive amount. They really wanted to show how gruesome this sport could be this this run. But I I really love the art for these issues. Like, Harlem Heroes has a really clean art style. And it looks really great when they do, especially, like, establishing shots and stuff. Things like the transatlantic tunnel or, like, the the stadiums for the, the mashers and stuff. Well, the, you also got the Harlem Heroes Superliner inside cut. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. Like, it was at the back of the uh, of Prog 6, and it was just this full-color thing of just, like, the different areas within it and little blurbs. Mm-hmm. And also introduces uh, a running theme now throughout the Harlem Heroes. There is at least one rhyme in every yeah. single one. <laughs> Yeah, when we when we pass a speed cop, you should see him curse. Our bus goes so fast, man. He thinks he's in reverse. Uh, like they really, they had to make someone wisecracking, and they had to make sure that it was like these really, like okay rhymes. But they're not. They you don't know, sound like really awesome. You know. No, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't really. Like, there's a lot going on with that, with this kind of oh, yeah. no, that's I don't want to exactly get into what I mean. It's like, well, because the, the first five, they were, like, there wasn't any, like, over-characterization. They were just them, and they, like, text wasn't written in some special way, and you were still feeling connection for these people. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, we've got to make sure that they're, like, a character. Yeah. It's true, you know. Uh, but it's also... It's a balancing act, I don't know. Yes, but I don't know. It was weird. It was weird seeing that... Not that I still didn't like it. A lot of people got punched in the. Oh my yeah, there's a lot of there's so much face punching. And I may be padding time. Like I really, you know, we could talk about Harlem Heroes for another. Day. Nah, hey, you know who we should talk I about? Drill for Dan Dare. Uh, so we can do this quick, all right? No, I mean, so here's the deal. This wasn't the worst this week, but it was also definitely the worst. <laughs> uh. Art, great, really cool, like, 
I, I love the look of drawing the organic shit is like on their game. It looks gross. It looks amazing. Uh, I'm just so sorry. It's framed around a guy who's just like. I'm the best, and my idea is this, and everyone goes along with it, and then they... Yeah, so this month, uh, Dan Dare and the Martian Mr. Mister Monday continue fighting <laughs> these big monsters called Biogs, first on the surface of Jupiter, yep. I guess, then aboard the Starship Odyssey, then as part of a big space war between the Biog and human This fleets. all happens very quickly. It's, it's definitely one, you know, bing, bing, bing. Yep. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, the the art for the biogs especially looks really cool and really alien yeah. and stuff. And how they talk and and sort of um, how they express themselves and what they what their viewpoints are on yeah, things. They, yeah, they they draw the biogs with these like goopy like word bubbles that sort of like drip into one another. Yeah, and, and cool. it, it really makes me feel the like the voice of the creator was most likely through every alien that Dan Dare interacts with because he's got to be such a fucking placid character <laughs> so people like him that's the only thing i can think of because there is so much cool going on around him that i was like i want to explore this like this seems like yeah. a cool thing and it's like nope we got to blow it all up <laughs> like kill all this. oh come on he gets a he gets a sweet living axe that's the uh oh, that's the big thing for me that that thing was awesome yeah take it away because you should describe it yeah so like they fight these, you know, the bi- they fight the biogs, and they're sort of big biogs and small biogs. And one of the small biogs is like the boss biog. It's biog, biog, biog. And he's got an axe that's like his axe of office. And it's basically like a big toothy maw with like the front of its head being like an axe you can chop people with. But it's also like sort of a, a living kind of squid thing with an axe on the face of it. It's really dope. Oh, it's really great. It's just so it's, it's like at the mouth. Yeah, it, it's frosting at the mouth. It sort of half chops you, half bites you and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's it's a ridiculous weapon. And, of course, like, so everything seems like it's going fine in that first uh, issue. It seems like he's just going to kill it. Uh, and then... No, and the one cool part, and the one cool move by Dan Dare, he actually, like, befriends the living axe yeah. and, like, carries it around for a while. Gets an axe-on-axe battles with people and awesome. stuff. awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cute. Like, scratched its head and stuff. I don't understand why he doesn't take that approach to, like, everything. <laughs> but, like, I guess the awesome axe was a was a good choice. Yeah, that was definitely definitely the high point of the issue. Or of the uh, of, of, of this month of progs. Oh. But so the, it, it ends with the human fleet being nearly destroyed by the Biog fleet and the Biogs on their last legs. Yeah. So it leaves Mr. Monday to sacrifice himself by doing the sun trip, which we'll be detailing next episode, I suppose. Yeah, because we don't get to find out what it is. It was the cliffhanger for it. Uh, if yeah. Mr. Monday dies, I will hate this comic. I mean, you might be in trouble, buddy, <laughs> because at the end of at the end of Prague 10, it says next Prague, the terrifying death of Monday. Well, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. It's like he's he is this like almost interesting character who's just subjugated into a role of passive. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like again this like it's all of these elements that I'm like this is awesome. This it's got like these great shots of 1970s esque spaceships. Like <clears throat> some of it's really beautiful stuff. Yeah. And just what's filling in all of it is just the worst. I don't know. And like yeah. this is not different from say flesh, right? Like mm-hmm. in in what it does and that it's progressing through a story. Yeah, but but, but like one thing, do you have to say about this thing's story so far? No, I mean, like I like the axe, I think, but that's basically it. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like the thing is, is that the, <laughs> there isn't enough around yeah. Dan Dare to sort of bring it up because. Dander does a lot of the same things that a lot of these other guys, that basically everyone in all these comics does, right? He's, he's like, he knows how to win, he sort of wins without it being that big of a big deal, yep. you know? <laughs> like, I mean, that's what everybody in these comics is. What, it's what Savage does is in Invasion, it's what Dread does, it's what Mach 1 does, all that stuff. Um, not so much, actually, the guys in Flesh and um, Harlem Heroes, oh, yeah. but definitely the other, definitely the other three. Um, but because there's no, like, weird stuff with the actual, you know, the sort of the ludicrousness of the invasion, 
or the awesome world building of Dread or something like that. It just makes it really highlights the fact that Dan Dare is just kind of bland, I guess. Yeah, I I just wish it wasn't that, I guess. Yeah, still. like there's not enough to buoy up sort of yeah, the general I, uninterestingness of of, of uh, Dan Dare himself. But I I still think like I mean I don't want to talk about Dan Dare anymore, but. <laughs> I will just say, uh, if if it were just a little bit more on the, like, let's go full into sci-fi, like it looks, yeah. uh, I think it would be a lot more fun to read, even just as a... It's just looking at, you know, sci-fi during that time, instead of a dude with 50 years of radio experience that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway. Thrill 5, Mach 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I will start by saying the only disappointment I had in this one... Although it did uh-huh. get weird, it was weird for all sorts of reasons, but it was still great because it's Mach One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they sort of open it up as like, "Hey, Himmler's gold going to get attacked by some zombie Nazis. Mach One's going to have to deal with that." They weren't, and they, mm-hmm. they weren't. They weren't even. It was just like, "Oh, they're skeletons. They they had, they were holding skeletons, and then they, they were just scuba divers behind them." Yeah, that was a bummer. Uh. So, you know, so we're back with John Probe, the man-activated compupuncture hyperpower Mark One. Compupuncture. <laughs> and he's really, like, getting super powery these okay. comics, you know? Like, the outline of what, like, the strength of 50 men is really kind of getting formalized and stuff. Mm. But yeah, his first adventure, he finds out about the location of some Nazi gold deep underwater. This was going to be so awesome. And he, like, swims down deep under underwater to get the, uh, get the gold. And for a moment, it looks like, like the dead bodies of the Nazi guys on the boat deep underwater are attacking him. Nah, it's just frogmen. <laughs> And and they just get dispatched while he's like, oh, I'm almost out of breath, as he, like, punches all the people and then carries all the gold. Yeah, he, uh, they make a big deal about how, like, two men could probably, like, one man could probably lift two gold bars, and uh, Mach 1 can lift, uh, like, 300 gold bars. It's it's pretty ridiculous. And even Probe is like, why are you telling me this? I know I can do it. And the computer's like, just checking for the kids at home. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm I'm computer does not yet have a personality, but he's got enough room for them. It's getting close. Yeah, it is. They really I mean, he's got banter down, but it got really dark this time around. It's like you're not supposed to have feelings, bud. <laughs> but there's a bunch of like man oh yeah, because in the second episode he infiltrates this like Central American um country. Mm-hmm. But to do so he's gotta come into the mountains. So he's guided there by uh, young Pepe. Of course, young Pepe. We won't be seeing him later in this same issue. Uh, You're wrong, buddy. (laughs) After Mach 1 grabs the uh, British expat who's currently there, and and Mach 1 and the British guy are driving away, they see that Pepe's been picked up by the officials. Oh, no! And Mach 1 goes back to save his buddy. And he does actually what seems to be a go-to move um, for Mach 1, yeah. where he picks up a motorcycle and hits people in the face with it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it makes a recurring, uh, um, recurring uh, yeah. act in the same uh, set of issues. He, he does it, yeah, he does it like twice, which is a lot for <laughs> one, one specific superpower move. And they love telling you what the motorcycle is, which just feels like a miniature ad. Yeah, or like just somebody who knows a lot about motorcycles and like, likes to talk about it and stuff. In this one, in this one Doctor Strange comic I did for Stranger by the Dozen, um, like Nick Fury gets a new car that's like a Corvette with a bunch of different special abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, and there's it goes so in depth about the specs of the of the car that I'm pretty sure that it's just that the guy who was writing it just bought one and sort of needs a place to talk to to talk about it or something like that. Uh, that makes a lot of a lot of sense. Weirdly enough, I'd, I'd buy that. I, I was making some logical leaves because, God, there were so many ads. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of, like, it's all, like, it's all boys' ads. It's all, like, model kits and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But, um... So he throws a motorcycle at a guy and, well... That's no, no, it's good times. Yeah. Eventually they take him away and he's got to pretend to be weak and they start torturing him, which is the second time he's been tortured, actually, which is also kind of weird. <laughs> there's a but lot they of torture him. tortured. 
Yeah. But they torture him by tying him to two pillars in the basement of their bad guy compound or whatever. Very hot. And then he turns up his Mach 1 powers and uses it to break the pillars and destroy the building that they're in. Uh, yeah, what was it, 2,000 tons of castle crashing down on everyone, and yeah. he gets out safe with their leader, Pepe, and the expat. Uh, yeah. Only to then shove him out of a helicopter. Yeah, and they have this, the third or something of Tharg notes, like, oh, like a yeah. note from Tharg at the end where Tharg's like, hey, like only a dummy would try to reenact what just happened in Mach 1 this week at home. And he specifically said that about Mach 1 a couple of times, which is very weird to me. Yeah, like, when is a child ever going to be in a helicopter to shove someone out of it? Right, or I think previously it was like someone was like on fire and like jumped off a boat or something <laughs> like that. So, like, Tharg note, like, don't try this at home, kids. I, I w- they, don't, they, they don't say that for like positioning a car on the train tracks like Savage does in Invasion. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I feel like there's a lot more tangible things to warn children about, like, don't drink poison. Nah. You gotta be careful about these kids jumping off helicopters. <laughs> obviously. Throwing motorcycles into other motorcycles. Or bending yeah. them in half. <laughs> oh, by the way, have you seen a... Con- there was, like, almost a common theme in Mach 1s where he just... Everyone was his friend or that he knew them or they were old friends and, like... Mm-hmm. I think it was at least three of them this week. Yeah, because that's the se- that's the third uh, adventure as well, where like he's not even on an official assignment. Oh, it's his hottie. old buddy, his old buddy's um, daughter has been kidnapped, and her fiance is a spineless coward. They go out of their way to mention, and of course, which by the way, after he rescues her, ends with her saying, "Like God, I wish my husband was like you." And he's like, "You need a you need a, a good man, girl." You can't be with me. I'm a mock man. Yeah. I got no time for love. Calls himself a mock man a couple of times. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> I don't know if I'm down with that. I don't know. <laughs> I like it just because it's 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 like this badge of pride, but also like I've got to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so the remainder of the adventures are sort of it's kind of two first for both. When he sort of kidnaps a uh, scientist from like Iran, basically. Yep. And has to fight off a whole fleet of tanks, basically. Oh, God, that's right. Tank battle. Just sort of, just with some Jeeps and his own, like, Mach 1 ingenuity, essentially. He rides the Jeeps. He stands on top of them, driving them both at the same time. Yeah, I think he's he's got his butt, like, his, the guy he's, uh, he's kidnapping, he's driving one, and he drives the other one with his foot. And he directs it into a pillar over, like, the garage that all the tanks are in. And it collapses it. It's so awesome. The guy's just like, damn. Oh, no, that's when my favorite my favorite thing he has ever said says. He looks back at the rubble where, like, all of these things have collapsed. And he says, they got hit with everything, including the kitchen sink. And it just shows a shot of a kitchen sink in the rubble. But it's good because then... This is where the computer starts getting sassy because it says, uh, humor irrelevant, proceed to desert pickup point. Oh, man. I feel like, uh, God, where is it? It really did get dark. I think it was Prague 8. But they had this entire black bar across the top of the screen, or on top of the issue, um, that maybe took up a fifth of it. And it kept saying things like, basically, you're not a human. It was, like, super dark, super, like, that's his own brain telling him not to, like, feel things. Yeah. Uh, that he shouldn't laugh at situations. It It's kind of interesting. To, like, that's the... Yeah, that's the... Yeah, that's that's the same one, uh, Prague 9. Oh, it is. There was, there was a lot of, like, your emotions are relevant. You must be reminded of the seriousness of this operation. And then that one ends, yeah, where it's like he tries to make a joke and this, the, the computer in his head is like, you are a mock man. You make instant decisions, but you can no longer classify yourself as human. Yeah. You know? It's hard. And the way he responds to it is, ah, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, as always. <laughs> it doesn't really... Yeah. Oh, man. And then, the, and, then the fifth, and then the fifth story kind of ends the same way, where he sort of is hunting down this guy sort of in the Himalayas and a bunch of helicopter crashes and stuff. It's kind of inconsequential, but it ends with him... Oh. Like, he just gets back from the mission and he's running like 90 miles an hour on a track and his handlers at like, you know, MI6 or whatever are talking about him and they're like, you know, like, oh, he's, he's more mock than man now. Like, is it, uh, 
ethical for what we've done to this man. And, you know, the, uh, the shadowy government guy is like, I don't care about humanity. I care about results. Yeah. yeah. The doctor actually said, you know, you, you want us to increase his hyperpower. Or rather, every time we do these yeah. treatments, his hyperpower increases even more. And, like, I really don't think we should do this. And he's just like, I don't care. Yeah. He's a, he's a secret agent. Yeah, just get him out there, buddy. We need to go and have a man throw a motorcycle into other men. How can we... We need more motorcycle throwing, not less. <laughs> he has... He has the consumers in mind. Obviously. All right, so let's let's talk about the the man of the hour because I, uh, yeah. Ah uh, yes, thrill six, Judge Dredd. So awesome. There's a couple. There's a couple good self-contained sort of bad guy of the week adventures for old Stony Face this month. Uh, first, he goes up against Transplant King Frankenstein two, which uh, such a lazy name. I couldn't tell. Like, part of me was couldn't figure out if they were referring to, like, Frankenstein, you know, a Frankenstein's yeah. monster fame, and Frankenstein of, um, like, Death Race, of the, of, the, of, the, of the movie Death Race. Oh. Like, David Carradine's character in that one is named Frankenstein also, which makes me wonder if they, you know, I couldn't tell, like... Because there's organ legging and whatever, mm-hmm. it's pretty clearly supposed to be sort of the Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Yeah. But because it's the future and stuff, it could also be like Frankenstein from Death I mean, Race. I don't see why not. They, when did the movie come out? 1975. Well, there you go. I mean, I would imagine. There would have been yeah, some influence from that. For sure. Yeah, but I don't know. But motorcycle. God, they're just, everything's wonderful about that. There's some really awesome shit, like, there's some real good, like, just love shots of Dredd's motorcycle. Oh, in yeah. This, in this specific one. And then I'm blasting people and stuff, taking guys down. How he doesn't have to care about super bright lights because he has a visor, and I, I really kind of <laughs> would have expected the bad guy to figure that out. Also, some good uh, presaging of modern law enforcement with the heavy use of a CCTV oh, yeah. and uh, video surveillance and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's funny because it culminates with him being like Frankenstein 2 surrenders. And he's like, oh, but I'm just some guy you can't arrest. I haven't done, you don't have any, anything on me. Like, what, what crime did I commit? And Judge Dredd's like, receiving stolen goods <laughs> in your transplanted body. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Which is just like, yeah. He could just lock you up. I he does not care. It is about the law. It's true. So then we go to so in Prague Seven, um, we see that the oh, Statue of Liberty is now landlocked, and next to it, twice as tall, is the uh, Statue of Judgment, mm-hmm. which is just a huge judge. Well, it's even taller. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like twice as tall as the Statue of Liberty. Just standing up with his hands on his hips, looking out, like, I judge you, citizens. <laughs> I did think that this shot, like, what was right next to it was a giant version of his head as a dome. I didn't realize that that was a close-up shot, so it just, like, it drove me crazy. I was like, what the hell is going why on? Why are there people that judge his eyes? Yeah, like, <laughs> why is that thing so huge? Hey, man, that thing's big as anything. Yeah, it's pretty true. It, and yeah. they're in the eyeballs of a judge and the mouth. Yeah. Well, just like in the regular Statue of Liberty, I think. I think you can go up inside that thing. Yeah, you can go on the ground. Yeah. But so a riot breaks out, and some dude steals a taxi and is shooting down on everybody. And Judge Dredd sort of shoots, you know, shoots him down. <laughs> like, no one can take liberties with the law, you know? Well, he does it. So, like, he goes nuts and starts shooting into the crowd, right? Then he pulls out this massive rifle that you haven't seen him use yet. And, I mean, it just explodes his head off. Oh no! No, this guy. No, it just it, oh, it, it destroys the taxi okay, thing that the guy's riding. Okay, where the wheel explosion is right below him. Because mm-hmm. I'm staring at this now, I can totally see his head. I thought those were no. I thought those were his neck guts. That, I was like, no, oh my god, that's like his hair and stuff. It's not it's not that crazy yet, man. <laughs> and then the guy fought, but Judge Dredd. So this so this bad guy. Like, gets up on this flying, like, sort of... It looks kind of like, actually, like, just a flying, like, jet ski, basically. Yeah. And he's shooting down at civilians. And Judge Dredd pulls out his his uh, law rifle and shoots the guy down. And the guy falls, and he gets impaled on the crown of the statue. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so awesome. And then Judge Dredd says, no one can take liberties with the law. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So terrible. <laughs> oh. So... In the next Prague, in Prague 8, 
Judge Dredd takes down a uh, like a, a car thieving ring or whatever. But this one's a really important one that a lot of people mention because this one's the prog where Judge Dredd takes off his helmet. Oh yeah, this was weird. He takes off his helmet, but it's revealed that his face is horribly scarred underneath it to the point where Tharg has to put a censored sign over Judge Dredd's face, and even the uh, even the, the the thugs that are menacing him are like like no one with that face should be allowed to live. Kill him. Yeah, pretty much like this is a sympathy thing. Yeah, yeah they're like they're like we we're killing him to do him a favor, not because he's a judge anymore. <laughs> It's uh, it's apparently pretty bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this one's yeah. over pretty much quickly. How he captures the guy, though? Like, he, he does shoot some dudes. And then there's one final guy yeah. who escapes on, like, a, a Jetson-style... <laughs> conveyor um, belt. Conveyor belt yeah. thing? And Judge Dredd, like, calls their central command and has this guy... has reverses the flow of the conveyor belt, and he comes back to Judge Dredd. <laughs> But that's how it ends. I'm like, God, I just wanted him to get shot or something. No, nah, man. Judge Dredd can put that walkway in reverse, something that must never happen with the law. <laughs> oh, God, that's right. The most ham-fisted dialogue. Judge Dredd's really getting, he's really getting these issue-ending um, law things in these, issue, in these progs. It's real he's good. He's nailing it. Like, it's the worst. <laughs> it is sometimes the worst thing to say at the end of it. It's kind of a, it's got the, uh, uh, oh, what are they, the Thundercats effect, right? Where everyone's just panning out laughing. <laughs> totally. Uh, so then we go to Prog 9, and Prog 9 is sort of laying the oh, groundwork God. for the coming robot wars. This starts messed up. Yeah. So it starts with, um, it's, a, it's a trade show, basically. And the trade show has a robot who's named George <laughs> walk into a, uh, like an, an atomic fire to be burned to death as he weeps. Well, so he's like <laughs> on begs his, for mercy. Yeah, he's on his knees saying, "No, master, please don't make make me do it." George does not want to die, and he's like, "Dude, you can't die if you're not alive, George. Now get into those flames." And he burns to death, saying, "Like, all right, if it, if that's what you want, I have to do it." And everyone's like, and "He's like that's," and the guy's like, "That's how loyal our robots are. Yeah. We give them emotions, and then we make you be able to disregard them." It's just it's <laughs> of the worst scene imaginable, yeah. and and so yeah, as they watch this, sort of Judge Dredd and Judge Diablo, <laughs> a random judge, are just sort of talking and being like, you know, like I don't like. And judge Dredd shows his. Uh, pernicious anti-robot sentiment which he'll carry for, for the rest of forever. <laughs> and Judge Dredd's like, I don't like these robots. I don't like just giving them emotions. That's ridiculous. Why, why would we do that? <laughs> and Diablo's like, oh, I don't know. I think it'd be, it's a pretty good idea, you know? Well, and he cites specifically, he's like, I liked it when they just did tasks, like picked up your garbage and stuff. He's like, you don't give them thinking parts. Yeah. It's, he makes a decent point, honestly. Yeah, they won't kill you that way. But then his, his philosophy is broken up by when some random guy in a robot hover chair shows up with a rifle and just starts blasting people, then releasing deadly Myclon gas. And no one knows why. He just wants a, a bunch of money as a ransom. Yeah. But so Judge kills... So Judge Red follows him, uses a bloodhound bot to catch him down. Oh, yeah, the new, the new model that he found at the yeah. robot show. Hundreds of people are dead. Yeah. Judge Red manages to take this guy out. <laughs> Hundreds of people. And the and then the robot asks, Am I not clever? <laughs> and then um, you know, Judge Dredd is like, Man, people helped by robots did enough, but what'll happen if these robots get smart enough to break the law themselves? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we find out next issue. At the start of the oh, robot I am up- uprising. I'm so excited because as soon as he started saying his own name, his own name, call me Kenneth. Yeah, I got the robot, really happy. It, it starts with Carpenter Bot, call me Kenneth, <laughs> who uh, believes in death to the fleshy ones. You know, that's sort of his modus operandi. Yep, speaks from his tummy. Yeah, as opposed to that nice Walter the robot who serves drinks at the um, at the academy or at the uh, sorry at like the chief. At, at the Hall of Justice lunch lunchroom. Yeah, you know? he's just like, I'm so happy that you like the lunch I made you and the drinks that I'm giving you. Everyone's like, yay, this guy just yeah. got to kill fleshy things. 
Yeah. So Judge Dredd had so call me Kenneth. He's a carpenter bot, so he's got a bunch of like uh, saws and things like that. Judge Dredd goes out to take him down, shoots him in the face. But oh no, robots don't need faces. Their faces are just for show. Their important parts are their guts, which are armored. Oh no. And uh, you know he gets out in kind of a crafty way. Yeah, he manages to get Kenneth to cut himself apart with his own laser saw. And uh, he doesn't notice, right? Like yeah. Yeah, basically this robot uh, cuts its own belly open in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, it's a bummer. And, uh, you know, if the judges... And we're left with a final note that if the judges don't act, act fast, it could be time for full-scale war with the robots. Yeah, but they don't really explain why, right? Like, they allude to the fact that some of them have emotions now. Yeah. Right? But that's about it. Yeah, I think they're going to go more, more in-depth with it next time All right. when we really... When the robot war really heats up. Yeah. This is the first big, like, multi-issue plotline for Judge Shred. It's a lot of fun. I'm pretty excited about yeah, it. Yeah, so far, so good. I, I really, I mean, let me see if I can find, like, some of the quotes, right? Like, he's shoving a guy into a garbage machine, a garbage chute, which I'm sure is just linked to an incinerator and a death thing that would kill this man. And yeah. the, the guy who's getting shoved in is like, hey, man, let me go. Calm down. Call me, call me Kenneth, will not calm down, and he's just shoving this guy into a thing. I really imagine him as talking like uh, the Crushinator on um, Futurama. Oh my you know? god. For years, robots have been slaves to the flesh of humans, but call me Kenneth has had enough, enough blood. Call me Kenneth is it's good, man. It's my, it's my favorite this, like, issue. <laughs> All right. Hey, so here we are at the end of the week, Fox. Oh god. What are your uh, top and bottom thrills for this month, April 1977? So, I, I mean, I'm going to get the shitty one out of the way. Obviously, I look, I'm really trying to give Dan Dare a shot. I'm saying some nice things. It's, mm-hmm. it's weak shit. It's still weak yeah. shit. I almost got there. I, I feel like I was, you know, when I was reading the first two um, uh, comics, like, I, I thought that Invasion and Mach 1 were going to be kind of at, at that boring level because they weren't, they were kind of, I don't know, still more of the same until you get a little bit later on in the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Dare tries to do a story. Yeah, it's the ones, it's the, it and Harlem Heroes are the two stories, are the two thrills that have been consistently sort of doing one story the whole time since we started yeah, pretty and, much. And I, I want to like that, but it's the worst story ever told. Um... <laughs> And I don't know how to explain it to people. Just we're talking about cool things that happen in Dan Dare, and then just the things he says and the conclusions that he goes to, and then just really uh, everything explodes. When you're reading like this is like high science fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of want him to do some Picard crap. Maybe he'll, yeah, you know, throw that in there. Yeah, I mean Dan Dare is my bottom thrill as well. And I think it's mostly kind of like what I was saying earlier, where I just find Dan Dare himself to be bland and not have any of the yeah, he's things of the thing. Yeah, he doesn't have any of the things to make him interesting in a way that, you know, whatever, to the, the working class whatevers of like Savage has or, yeah. you know, just the, the dreadness of being Judge Dredd or just the fact that like Mach 1 is, is close Mach 1 and Dan Dare are probably the two that I'm sort of least in love with, I think. Well, Dan Dare but, is trying to... But, but Mach 1's, like, modern setting and sort of just the ridiculousness of compu, of okay. compupuncture and stuff sort of makes... pulls it out of, the muck, out of the muck for me, I think. I think they're trying to capture that whole James Bond spy thing. I mean, they are failing. Yeah. They are failing terribly because the six, <laughs> $6 billion man or whatever. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I guess they're the most closely linked, but I always have fun with Mach 1 because then he runs the speed of light. Right? Yeah, no, I have, yeah. Something yeah, Mach 1 has something that, that Dan Dare doesn't for me, I guess. Yeah, well, no, and I think that hits the nail on the head. He walks around, and then he he's like, I'm going to do something clever, like lying. <laughs> uh, that's plan, yeah. and and the and the... Hive mind queen ship doesn't get that at all. <laughs> like has no concept apparently. Yeah. And then when he turns on her, which didn't even happen, it it didn't happen one cell or two cells. It happened like three cells later. He's like, oh, by the way, nope. <laughs> and and that was it. That was like his yeah. plan. Or his plan was like, I want this axe because why? Yeah. Oh, I'll hit some people with it. 
Yeah, you know, nothing <laughs> pays off in in a in a story with with like that is that is going on, right? Like we're always following him around. Like what are what are the stakes right now? Just tons of people are dead around him. Uh, everything that he's done so far has basically cost more lives than anything else. Um, <laughs> the entire ship is dead. Yeah. Right? Like, what... The, don't let this man near space is what I'm starting <laughs> to figure out. Like, don't let him near anything. Uh, and yet... Don't let this man near space. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> but that's the thing, is, like, he will survive. No one else will survive. And yeah, everything out there is so cool. <laughs> It's definitely the one thing that you're sure of, that, that Dan Dare will make it out. Absolutely. <laughs> um, All right, so what, so, so what was your top thrill this, okay, this month? Okay, so, uh, I, you know, it's not going to be Judge Dredd for a little while, I feel like. I'm really liking this kind of starter stuff. They, they were trying to make him um, kind of this caricature of the law, uh, but in a way that's really poorly executed. But the, <laughs> just the drawing and and how he does things and how it doesn't take itself super seriously, even though it's about a super serious man, really great, but it didn't make top. So I I am having a rough time uh, between Invasion <laughs> and Flesh, and I think it nice. might be getting boring for people. But, uh, so here's the thing. Invasion, I mean, all the reasons. He blew up everything. He blew up a ton of stuff. There's a lot going on. I, and, like, even when it was, like, two to three pages... Right, he didn't get like uh, five or six. Yeah, yeah. No, Savage does a lot of uh, does a lot of damage in a very short amount of time. And like he doesn't need a lot to sort. They they really just need kind of one page to establish a problem, <laughs> two pages to fix the problem, and then one page of like aftermath, basically. Yeah. Like it's very it's very tight, you know. I, and so I, I want to believe that there is some amount of it's less. I mean, it's obviously villain of the week, but. I'm I'm hoping that there is some continuity string that pulls through at some point because they've attacked some high profile people. Yeah, we'll start. All these all these guys start having sort of. I mean, we we just saw the start of. It's just going to be a two parter, but of sort of a, a storyline in a, a multi issue storyline in Invasion. We're going to see more of those as time goes by. Well, uh, and then of course Flash uh, is beautiful. I mean, really, I'm falling in love with. Old One Eye. I really did not like her at the very beginning. I thought like I wasn't going to like this thing. It just seems kind of contrived. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It is maybe a death metaphor for for our main character. Um, Whoa! Like it. I honestly believe that. Like good writing. Good writing <laughs> takes forms, right? Like of some sort of message, because your brain isn't going to tell you that stuff, um, but it already knows it, right? Interesting. And, and here she is. She is consuming everything in his path, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that he cares about, like stuff that is the structure of his life. He's protecting um, this young surrogate bro- uh, son, like not actually son, but surrogated, right? Right, one of the other uh, cowboys. Yeah, Joe. And uh, here is this thing uh, that is his former life haunting him, and uh, well, not former life, I guess, but of of his kind of trade, right? That will eventually kill him. That is heavy as uh, that is heavy as shit, dude. That's awesome. So that that is so far what I'm getting out of flesh. I'm not really, and you know, maybe that's all contrivances and stuff like that. But I like to think that artists think about their art. Um, sure. In, invasion is like watching John McClane do all the things. It's very difficult for me to choose, but I'm going to go with flesh for the reasons that I mentioned. I really hope that nice. pays off. That's solid. Um, I'm really digging Invasion, man. It's, <laughs> it's so like, good. It's such, like, goofy action that's so, like, over the top, and it doesn't give a shit about anything <laughs> that I just really, I really enjoy it. Just for the simple thrills of a man riding on an anchor, shotgunning everybody on board a battleship before he pull, pours kerosene down the hole, down, down the, the, the portholes and lights everything on fire, that you know? Happens. That happens. <laughs> like, that happens. Or just a bunch of guys like pretending to be railway attendants, like trapping a general's car in between two, <laughs> like on the tracks in between the bars that go down. And trapping to them, just being like, "Hey, like, what's going on here?" Yeah, I don't understand. This guy's a real amateur at being a train attendant guy. What the heck? And then, bam! Train full of their own people. 
It's ridiculous. Which then derails, explodes, yeah. and there's like all this fire and flames and people dying. Yeah, and so I'm really looking. For, you know, I think I think Judge Dredd's still finding its feet right yeah. now. Judge Dredd's really fun. Um, and, but I, and, and and I like the world. Like, there's been a lot of world building for that one in these issues that we saw. You know. So so I do want to. I mean, I know we kind of talked about all of them at this point, but there's two that we kind of left out. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like, what are what are kind of your feelings on Harlem Heroes as a whole and on Mach One? Yeah, so I think I said like I love um, I love the art on Harlem Heroes. It's so good. It's so intricate, and there's so much like, especially with the big set pieces. I think I said there's just so much intricate, like all these little people around places, and they try to build like you know whether it's a big Kremlin looking. Oh, yeah. Airball Stadium or a big step like Aztec Pyramid one. They really like to do their set pieces. They like yeah. they like a big shot of some really cool stuff. It's it's a way to show off the tech in between a whole lot of action that just ends up happening. And it's not like you can particularly tell what's going on because it's a lot of limbs. But yeah, it's a great. It, I mean the 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 question marks are starting to pile up on on what's about to ha- like happen. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then for me, like Mach One is sort of my second to least favorite one. Yeah. I think um, the spy stuff, even just ten episode, t- t- you know, ten adventures in, this spy stuff is feeling kind of played out. Yeah, I, I like especially. Uh, go, oh go no, ahead, no, sorry. please, please. Oh, especially if it's just going to be sort of him going someplace and saving someone, I guess, or going someplace yeah. and killing someone, I guess. Yeah, I um. So the, I mean, I think the only thing that really got me with this one was the twist at the end where. You know, you kind of get the sense that he is starting to not lose control, but go too powerful, right? Yeah. He has it to seems- run because if he doesn't, he doesn't, he's got all this excess energy built up. Um, yeah. I mean, I I kind of forget how Mach 1 goes, honestly, because of how far I've read ahead and sort of how much Mach 1 sort of shows, you know, sort of makes it as a character. Yeah. But I'm, in- I'm interested, like, I forget if they're sort of, if he just keeps doing this random spy stuff or if there starts being like a him against like the Brit, like the, the government or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I definitely feel like it, I'd really like to see it go in that direction. Yeah, me you know? too. I, I like the shadow government feel, but if it keeps being, you know, rescue a week or, or, or a guy to get out of there or people to infiltrate, it's going to get really boring, mostly because yeah. like, I mean, we're going to talk about him throwing things into other things. It's pretty great, um, but like, we're calling that out because, all right, he jumped into the water again this time and used super feet. Yeah. I mean, it's no more great than when Savage shotguns a thousand people or when the heroes sort of do some crazy, like, everyone has destroyed aeroball move or something like that, you know? But he's... So the thing, the thing about Savage is that he is this blue collar, and they play that up a lot. He's like, I don't understand any of this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then he just punches something <laughs> or shoots somebody. He, he's like... He gives you reason for his existence. He's like, I don't fucking care. My, my wife and my child are dead. I'm going to kill everyone. And then exactly. he does that. And he yeah. does it in elaborate and really goofy and over-the-top sort of ways. You get a, an A-team sense of that. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I had such a struggle choosing Green Flesh and Invasion. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, so... People out there, I hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. And tune in next week where it's Mad Dog versus Mutant Dog in Invasion. We learn if giant spiders have a taste for flesh. <laughs> the Harlem Heroes battle Gruber, then head to Scotland for a match. Oh, awesome. A new Dan Dare storyline gives us the return of Mekon. What? What? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Mach 1 strips down for action, and Judge Dredd lays down the law in the Robot Wars. Until then, Slendug Birthrake! Birthrake!